Welcome to Four Scores. I'm your host, John Burlingame. This podcast series brings together the most accomplished film and television composers working today and reveals their inspirations, the unique challenges they've overcome, and the emotional journeys their work often takes them on. In this episode, I sat down with Marco Beltrami and Buck Sanders at Marco's remote Pianella studio, tucked away from all the sights and sounds of Los Angeles. Marco and Buck are a bit of a rarity. They've been a composing team for the past 20 years on films like Logan and 310 to Yuma. And together, they received an Oscar nomination for their work on The Hurt Locker. I made the beautiful drive out to meet them so we could talk about their latest film, Ford v. Ferrari. The dramatic true-life story about car racing legends Ken Miles and Carol Shelby and how they worked to build a car capable of winning the 24-hour Le Mans race. We're here with Marco Beltrami and Buck Sanders to talk about Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, thank you guys for having us today. Of course. Thanks for coming out. So let's talk a little bit about the studio because this is kind of an amazing place. Uh, tell us when you built this and why. I built it because we were previously in Malibu uh, right off of PCH and the noise there was horrendous, especially in the summertime when there's a lot of motorcycles and trucks. And one of the things that Buck and I started doing early on was um, recording acoustical sounds instruments and manipulating that. And it became so difficult. We'd have to like find times in the middle of the night. I was always familiar with this area because of its remoteness and I really loved it. You know, it was a plot for sale. So we decided to build this from the ground up and make it into basically just a big musical playground up here and there's nobody to bother, so. So Marco, um, talk to us a little bit about your background, maybe how you got into this, why films are where you are now. Well, I always knew I wanted to do music since I was little. I started piano, I think, when I was five. And even at that point, I was a little bit more interested in rewriting my pieces than practicing them <laughs> exactly. But my parents really wanted me to pursue something practical in the sciences. I went to Brown University and studied geology. You know, eventually my advisor told me I should probably think about something else because I couldn't tell one rock from another. You know, music was always a passion of mine. After Brown, I really felt that I needed a more formal music education to fill in the gaps that I had. And I applied to Yale School of Music and um, my parents were like, great, congratulations. You know, good luck. Um, <laughs> and uh, my teacher at the time, he said, listen, I, I think maybe you should go out to Hollywood. And I have two contacts out there. One of them was John Williams. And uh, so he gave me John Williams' phone number. I remember being so excited. I, I, I arrived, I drove out. As soon as I got, the first thing I did was I picked up the phone and called John Williams. And I, it was like 7 a.m. on a Sunday or something. <laughs> and, and he's like, who is this? And where'd you get my number? And blah, blah, blah. And he slammed down the phone. And so I was mortified. After he hung up the phone on me, I immediately thought, I didn't even get to tell him who I was. So I called him back and he hung up on me again. So I'm like, all right, that's it. I can never talk to him again. But uh, you ever go to those like ASCAP or BMI dinners and he happened 
to be in the restroom at the same time as me. <laughs> he, was, he was right next to me. And I was like, shoot, I'm right here. I have to say hello. <laughs> and so I, I did, you know, and, and I've never seen anybody run out of the restroom faster. <laughs> um, but, but then, actually, we were, um, we were at the Ford stage at Fox. Um, he was dubbing a movie also. Somebody over there says, oh, you guys have, have met. And he was so nice and so gracious and it all ended well. What about you, Buck? Was there a big aha moment for you? This is where you belong. This is what you needed and wanted to do. You know, I, I grew up uh, playing in bands uh, back in South Carolina and uh, moving out here with, with uh, my high school band. I'd, I'd grown up loving, you know, John Williams and Morricone and, you know, the spaghetti westerns. And so I worked in a video store that was called Laser Blazer. It was a, it was a laser disc store, West LA, close to the Fox lot. So we'd get a lot of movie people coming in, directors and film composers. And the gentleman that worked there named Steve Harris uh, was really knowledgeable about film music and would just hand me piles of discs. It's like, okay, now we're going to focus on Bernard Herman and, and give me all these movies and I'd take them home, watch them. And, you know, just, I mean, Herman, you're instantly hooked with Herman. A lot of customers would buy movies and then bring them back and, and sell them back to the store. And I would just buy directly from them purely for scores, you know, and, you know, sometimes you're fortunate enough that there'd be an isolated score on the disc. So you could really watch what they did and, you know, how it worked in the film. Uh, it was just fantastic education. So let's talk about Ford v. Ferrari, uh, your latest film. How did you guys get involved? Well, I mean, we had done work for Jim uh, Mangold. Uh, the director. On, uh, the director. On, um, well, the first one together was 310 to Yuma, and then we did um, the Wolverine and Logan. It's funny, he is a very musically savvy director and when we were working on Logan he had very specific requests things that we had to sort of learn to see where he's coming from I mean it's a process with anybody because music is an abstract language and you need to boil it down to see what how you communicate and with Jim he had such fascinating ideas that we just felt like we were just beginning to tap into on Logan when I heard that he was doing this movie. I'm sort of a, a racing nut myself anyway, and I was really excited about it, and I really wanted to pursue it, and Jim seemed eager to pursue it as well, so. Buck, what's the film about? Ford in the 60s was not doing well with sales, and they wanted to get into the racing world and decided to try to buy a Ferrari. That didn't work out very well. So there was almost a revenge story with Ford then trying to, to, to build a, a race car and find the right drivers to shame Ferrari on the track. So he hires Carroll Shelby, and uh, he recommends Ken Miles, the driver, Christian Bale plays. And it's an awesome story about their relationship and you know, having to deal with the corporate world and, and the, the inner battles within the corporate world. That's so it's really a film about relationships, but with lots of exciting racing and car design and 
That's what's so great about the film is that it really sort of balances the, the sort of race car sequences, which people really want to see, with the personal story that I think maybe a lot of people don't know. Um, and I didn't know anything about this Ford yeah. and Ferrari sort of revenge story, but it's really interesting. And Matt Damon and Christian Bale are, of course, so good in the yeah, picture. It's fantastic cast, the whole cast, it's like even down to the, the crew members, you know, which is beautifully cast. So did you guys talk to Mangold about what he wanted musically or did he offer some ideas? Yeah. So going back to what I was saying before, I mean, one of the things that I found really intriguing and we wanted to pursue, and I think Buck too, that was really captivating about his way of working is that he's less interested in having this big sort of smooth orchestral balanced sound. He's more into a, I guess, grittier tone that brings out the intensity of the instruments and brings out the intensity of the score and things that are less metered and you know things that are played together rather than having everything separate and perfect he wants the raw emotion of the instruments so we began to look into that a little bit with logan but here was really evident and when he first called us, he even had a playlist of things that were inspiring to him when he was shooting the movie of songs and pieces, mainly from 60s. I think they may have been from a couple from the 50s as well. Yeah, 50s, 60s, a little bit 70s stuff. Mm. Yeah, and that that had a very particular sound to it. I mean, it was things that were recorded in a completely different way than film scores are recorded. And that's what he wanted to capture. And this is mostly rock and roll? A lot of rock and a lot of sort of garage rock where you can tell the band couldn't afford more than probably a one take and probably could barely play it past one take. <laughs> and it's just, but it's so raucous and, you know, great old Link Ray tracks. And it was, the energy is so palpable that gets, it's in front of the, the actual music, you know, and you feel the vibe so much. And I think that's what Jim really responds to. So was that a starting point for you guys in sort of conceiving the score? It was totally a starting point. Like, how can we bring that same energy? You know, how can we make this score unique? That and the time period. Which well. is 59 to 66, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so starting off in sort of like this jazz type of thing where electric guitar, things like that, were just beginning to be used and working more towards um, the technology of the time and deciding that we would try to record it in a way that would be authentic to the time period. So did you sort of do it with the band? Is that what I'm listening to? Yeah, yeah the, whole th the whole thing was designed to be performed by a band. And we didn't go, we usually have lots of pre-production that we do. We do, will design sounds and, and really fill out mock-ups, even you know the orchestral samples and stuff like that, to really give a representation of what the musical sound like so everybody understands and with Jim I think he's really put off by a lot of modern scores because all that pre-production that happens really dictates an orchestra or a band's dynamics how they perform you know you you sort of really start constraining the band and their energy so with this we really wanted the band to come alive the way we did this was well first of all we had Capitol Records which was you know, a lot of these iconic songs have been recorded there, so it was a great place for this. We had one band that did everything in the scores, like 15-piece. We also recorded over the period of about four or five months. Wow. 
That seems like, pretty unusual. It is very unusual. So we started out, we did just ideas that were inspired by the movie. It's not like, oh, this goes for this time code. It's like, this is an idea uh, for Henry Ford II, or this is an idea for when he's talking about the car reaching 7,000 RPM. You know, different ideas. And we recorded those. Jim came up here and listened and gave his feedback on what he liked, what he found interesting, what he didn't think was that interesting. And we went from there. As the picture developed, we did more and more actually the picture. It was really unique. Did you start after shooting or was he actually still sort of shooting when you started? We'd seen uh, sort of a, I think like a three hour rough cut yeah. before that first demo session. So, we, you know, we weren't trying to write to picture. But that was sort of inspirational yeah, well, to yeah. you guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could have left the film at three hours. I suppose I would have <laughs> yeah. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's an amazing editing job, the picture editing, because we would get these scenes and they were like, oh, this is perfect. Look, this is great action. And then we get a new cut and they're like, how did they get rid of, you know, 15 minutes out of this cut? You, you can't feel it. So what was the makeup of the band? Can you tell us? Yeah. So we had, we had three guitars and all of them would interchange between electric guitar and uh, steel string guitar and even pedal steel. And we had a keyboard player that played both piano and organ, like B3 organ. Um, we had a drummer, like played a kit drum, but we also had percussionists that played a variety of things, including vibraphone and metallic percussion, other things. We had a horn section that was, I think, two trumpets. Was it three trumpets? Three trumpets. Three trumpets and two trombones and a sax that doubled flute. And bass. And a bass that played upright bass, especially earlier on in the movie, for more of the jazz stuff, and then also electric bass. And every cue in the movie is this ensemble. There's no strings, there's no, nothing besides this ensemble. How unusual is that for you, to write a score in this, of this nature? Oh, that's, it, was, it was so much fun. <laughs> was really I was great. very tempted. There was one scene at the end when Miles has to slow down. I really wanted to use a string instrument, but it's like, can't do it. We can't do it, Marco. Let's use, we'll We've use, gotten this far. Yeah, we got this far. You just, you know, let's be faithful to our attention here. We've got a hundred other movies with strings yeah. on them. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so would you call this a rock and roll score? Or is that the wrong term? I don't think it's a rock and roll score. Uh, I think it's... Do you? No. I mean, it's definitely got rock influences. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wide what inspired the score sort of music of it. Four Scores is brought to you by the Four Scores playlist, featuring music and interview clips from each composer featured in the podcast series, including Marco Beltrami and Buck Sanders' score from Ford v. Ferrari. Hear the magic behind the soundtracks you love whenever you want. One of the other interesting things about this is that it is a race car movie with a lot of racing footage in it, which inevitably means revving engines and mm -hmm. squealing tires. And I'm sort of curious to know, is there a balance between sound effects and score here? And did you work with the sound guys at all? It's uh, an amazing yeah. balance, I have to say. I mean, Paul and the whole sound team. Paul Massey. I, yeah, they did such an amazing job combining the music and the sound so that there's times when you're in a Ferrari and the actual sound of the Ferrari is different from the Ford and it's cutting perspectives. I mean, that's music 
well, for me, that's music in itself. <laughs> um, but yet there's this, also this, just say in Le Mans, it's a 20-minute sequence or whatever, there's this emotional arc to the thing that sort of has to be carried as well, that the music supplies. So being able to balance the two of them and just that mix uh, is an enormous challenge. And I think when I heard the final thing a few weeks ago, I, I was really amazed at what an amazing job they had done. Yeah, and the, you know, Jim's had the same team on most of his films for quite a while. Uh, so the mixers he uses are Paul Massey, who does the dialogue and the music for the final dub. And then uh, David Giammarco mixes the, the effects. And the, the way they work together is, is very similar to the way the, the cars are driven in the movie. You know, they hand off to each other so well and pass off to each other. I find it interesting because most movies, very often, the music and the sound effects are sort of fighting each other. And clearly that's not the case here. They're sort of living together. It's, it's really because of Jim and his relationship he has with the whole team. We've had mixes where there's uh, much less going on and you can't hear the music yeah. <laughs> compared to a team of race cars racing around. Speaking of racing, Marco, you alluded earlier to the fact that you're kind of into this. Talk a little bit about what you do uh, as a hobby that's related to the film. I'm a fan of motorcycle racing especially, but I go every Sunday with my son, my eldest son, who's he's really good amateur racer. And um, so I'm really familiar actually with the track where this was filmed, Willow Springs. Um, I know every turn there really well. I mean, <laughs> I've been there a lot. Have you raced on that track? Yeah, yeah, but on, on bikes, not yeah, on sure. cars. I mean, we have taken cars there, which is a lot of fun too. I thought just that attention to detail for someone that does pay attention and isn't to that stuff, I thought was really amazing. Did Mangold come to any of the recording sessions? He didn't come to the demo session, that first one he was shooting or doing something, but he came to the other four and was incredibly involved, you know, talking directly to the musicians. Like he gave a whole speech how he really loves classic film scores and started naming off Jerry Fielding, Lalo Schifrin, you know, names it, 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 <laughs> that we uh, love. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so in the players just immediately, you could hear them you know, started clapping and they were very excited, you know, so it was a great way to start the race. <laughs> it was so great to have them there. What we do is, should be at its best collaboration. You know, it's a collaboration of ideas and, and you don't always feel that, but with, uh, with Jim, we do. And on this film, we totally did. Yeah, he, he's such a great director because he can express exactly what he wants. You know instantly if you're hitting it or not. So, you know, he's, he's so good at tapping into like if something sounds a little bit off, but you're not sure why. He's like, like, why do we need this Adams Family, you know, track here <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know? But and then, then, but as soon as he says it, you're like, yeah, that, you hear that's, it. You hear it. You're like that's what that is. And he's just a master at hearing a piece of music and knowing exactly where it's going to be most effective in the film. Like, you know, we'll spend a week working on a scene. He'll he'll come in and say, you know what, I, I like the music a lot, but I think it's going to work way better here. And he's always right. Mangold's looking for this gritty tone. How did you arrive at that? What was necessary? Is it instruments? Is it the way it was recorded? Is it a certain energy in the room? You talk about that, would you? I'd, I'd say it was... Mainly, he wants it from the performances. 
wants the guitars to to play loud and to not hold back. He doesn't want any sort of rounded edges in the sound. A uh, very direct sound. He doesn't. He's not much of a fan of reverb, so he wants it very dry and uh, no sheen on it. You know, working with the engineer and the way we mixed and worked with the players. You know, we would pick the microphones that would help with that and push stuff in the mix. I can give you an example. Like there's this cue in Daytona, which is really the first time or the only time that Miles has, you really see the joy because he wins and the wind's not taken away from him. And we had this melodic idea, almost like, like a Rocky type theme on trumpet. You know, it can be a brash instrument, especially played loud in the high range. So when we mixed it all together, we were thinking, well, we should probably blend it all that. And he's like, what are you doing? He's, Why are you <laughs> doing this amazing theme and then you're hiding it? He says says, we need to make this stand out. He wanted it to be extreme. He wanted it to be gritty. He wanted it to be present. If somebody comes in with a solo, you push it, make room for it. And it was very exciting to work with him. It, it sounds yeah. completely unique from the average film scoring session. It yeah. is. It is. And I mean, he has such a passion for it, especially film music. You know, I think it's fairly rare for two composers to share a major gig like this. Tell us how your partnership began and how you divide up who does what. I met Buck when I was recording Scream back in 1996 at the old Warner Brothers. He uh, was a friend of someone that had produced a TV album that I did and asked if a friend of his could come. So I met Buck. And then Buck said, hey, you need any help with anything? I'm like, I guess. I don't know. You know? Um, <laughs> so he came by my studio. It was in my my house. and It was a, it was a little teeny bedroom in an yeah. apartment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think immediately sort of hit it off in terms of having a shared aesthetic in terms of what scenes needed, what the music should be like and all that. And I'm really bad with technology. I, I couldn't keep up with all this stuff. And Buck was really good at taking the samplers and figuring out what, what's going on. And this idea of something that I was very interested in back with just concert music that I had been doing up until film scoring, which is you're constantly exploring new timbres and new ways of playing the instruments to come up with new sounds. And in film scoring, a whole new door is open because the performance is the recording. If you're able to work with technology, you can come up with this extended palette and push it to new levels. And that's something that Buck really seemed to enjoy doing as well. And over the years, our relationship has been such that he's producing ideas that I'm working on or in scores that are more geared towards a combination. Like for instance, when we did the Hurt Locker, we come up with things together. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just an immediate ease to the relationship and you know i really had tons of respect for what he was doing orchestrally and then so over the years that's probably my main contribution is is helping design the the palette beyond the the band so it's it's really been an easy relationship you know and the technology is so important now in film music creation yeah. for better or worse i think the production of a score is sort of overshadowed more traditional elements of older scoring I want to go back to the movie for a second. Buck, do you have a favorite cue in the score? A favorite moment? I, I, I do. 
when we first started it, one of the things I really wanted to explore that I've been wanting to do for 10 years probably is a combination of 60s fuzz pedals, you know, sort of like Jimi Hendrix type sounds with muted brass. I just think the combination of that would be really cool. And this film came up and there's like, you can't ask for a better setting for that. And Marco had this beautiful idea of doing a very ethereal piece using that setting, organ, uh, fuzz guitars and brass. And when Miles finally gets in the zone and creates a perfect lap in Le Mans and Marco wrote a piece with that sort of idea and I just listened to it and it, it reminds me of something Van Gelis might do but it's all organic and live Did you process any of this uh, after you recorded it? Was there any electronic processing or required at all? No So this no. is the, the live stuff from Capital. Yeah. Yeah it's all uh, yeah I can't we definitely didn't process any of the capital stuff marco do you have a favorite cue in the score <laughs> um i have to say i think probably the daytona race is i i love seeing his emotion uh christian bell's emotion at winning the race and i think the the music's played well there and it's thematic and um and we had a lot of fun writing that piece so how do you feel about the film in the final analysis i think it's the best movie i've ever done really yeah I think it should definitely win the Academy Award for the best movie of the year because it's such a great movie. You know, score aside, I really love the movie. Marco, you recently won the Emmy Award for your music for the documentary Free Solo about rock climbing. So tell us a little bit about Free Solo, which you also did in partnership with another composer. Yeah, with Brandon Roberts. That was a also very inspiring people to to work for Jimmy Chin, who's a professional climber and cinematographer and filmmaker. I, from a couple of years ago, saw a movie that he did called Meru, which was about climbing in the Himalayas. And he's always been on my radar as like one of those amazing people that if there's any opportunity to, to work with them, I would jump at it. And when I heard about Free Solo, I really wanted to, to meet him. Turned out that they we're digging some music that I've written and we're anxious to meet me too. So it was really inspiring. What kind of music was required by that film? To me, the musical challenge was like the climber Alex, the thing that gives him all his vitality and all his energy and his spirit is also the thing that can kill him. So there's this constant battle between light and darkness and How could a score emotionally represent that? How could you do that musically so that an audience can constantly feel this dilemma? And also having something for just the, I think the majesty of the landscape and something noble about that. Those were the two things that I always had in my mind scoring that. And was that also orchestral? That was orchestral. It was a hybrid. There's definitely synth elements as well. The places where we need to have the orchestra shine, like especially in the, the last climb, it, it's there. Did you record that here? Uh, yes. Yeah, we did it right here. And it's called Pianella Studios. Why? The town that my family came from in Italy is called Pianella. It's a ghost town now. It's out in the middle of the woods, but it's also very remote. I just feel very close to that side, the Italian heritage that sort of probably led me into my development of a lot of the things I hold dear musically, so it seemed appropriate. Yeah, that's nice. 
a family connection. Yeah. Thank you, Marco and Buck, for letting us come by today and talk about the, yeah. the film. It's yeah. a pleasure. It's great. It's great having you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Four Scores. Please subscribe and make sure to share this episode with your music-loving friends. It'd also be great if you can rate it because that really helps others find the series. See you next time. Watch Ford v. Ferrari and listen to the soundtrack wherever movies and music are enjoyed.